Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. What is going on, podcast family? Peace, love, balance, coherence to all of you today. I hope that you're all doing tremendously. We have part two with David Warner Matheson today on star myths and how to interpret them. Um, I hope that you found the first one fascinating, and we're just going to dive deeper into this. And David starts to talk about, you know, um, just the lessons and, and what this research means. And we just kind of dive deeper down the rabbit hole hole of uh, decoding these myths, navigating reality. We get into the Bhagavad Gita, um, connecting with the higher self and overcoming the lower self. So part two is fantastic. Um, I know you're going to enjoy it if you love part one. And also check it out on YouTube because he's got some slides over there where he kind of shows you and goes in depth and you can check out his website if you want to explore some more. Um, I want to thank everybody out there who has been supporting the podcast. The easiest way is to go onto iTunes and basically all you need to do is uh, search Matt Belair podcast on the internet, view in iTunes ratings and reviews and leave a review. And uh, if you've been thinking about it, just go ahead and do that now because it's super easy to do and it's really, uh, really helpful for algorithms. And so if you thought about it, just go ahead and do it because it's super helpful. And I just want to thank M. Hubble from Canada who left this short and sweet one. It just says, wow, just wow. I love this podcast. Informative, interesting guests, new ideas. Also, Matt's voice is, and then it's kind of like the A-OK sign. So that's simple and great, and I really appreciate that. And again, um, you know, it's, it's, it supports the algorithms and getting the word out there. So I appreciate you. I want to thank you guys who've been supporting me on Patreon. If you want to do that, it's an easy way to support the show. You know, I figure on average I get like a thousand listens per episode. So if half the people donated, you know, a dollar forty-four per month, like a, a cup of coffee or something to listen to the podcast, it would be pretty good. I'd probably get some sandwich money. So you can do that if you want, or even better, go to mattbelair.com forward slash store and check out the awesome affiliates and friends I have over there. Get some free stuff, get some discounts. There's the Arc Crystal, the Resonant Science Foundation Explorers Lounge you get for free. Um, you know, and I've got unique links to all that pretty much give you discounts and free samples and all that kind of stuff. And it's all epic stuff that I've either used, gone through, um, and vouch for like vocabulary and things like that. So um, all that stuff is uh, exciting and useful. Um, what else do I got going on? Oh, the coaching. So there's a new coaching form at mattbelair.com. I've had some great response to that. I'm figuring out how to do a group coaching um, so I can accommodate more people. That's in the work. So we'll see when that can come to fruition. It's just a little bit challenging when I'm doing the podcast like 50 hours a week between editing and uh you know, scheduling and all the kind of fun stuff that goes with it. So just trying to sort that all out. Um, but when I do, you know, I'll have that set and uh, just fill up the form and I'll get you in the link. And if we get 
to work in right away, then we'll, we'll definitely do that. Um, I love the shout outs on social media. So if you're listening to this and you like any of my guests, just tag myself and my guest on social media, whether it's Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook, and let us know where you're listening. It's always cool to see where the listeners are from or, or what you're doing. So always make sure that you um, just tag us and let us know where you're listening from because it's, it's always amazing and really, really cool to see. Um, and I think that's it. Um, the rest of my social media is at um, spectrums.me forward slash 528. You can get the Facebook and all that kind of fun jazz. And I think that's it. Um, other than, oh, the Lucid Dreaming, just sign up for mattbelair.com uh, email list and the Lucid Dreaming if you want a free ebook and guided meditation. And there you go. That's all the logistics, um, all, this, all the hustling to, <laughs> to just try to keep doing this full time and eat sandwiches along the way. So um, I just want to send love and gratitude to you for listening and having an open mind and open heart. And I hope that these uh, teachers are, are, are serving you in some uh, useful and positive manner. Tons and tons of love to you. So what I'll invite you to do is come into a quick state of coherence before we jump in. And, and this time I'd like you to manifest deep love, just a feeling of love, compassion, and kindness for yourself and all beings. And all you need to do is set the intention in 3D press. So here we go. Setting the intention now to activate the feeling of love, kindness, and gratitude for yourself and all life. Now, with that intention, taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath while focusing on the intention of bringing forth love, gratitude, peace, and kindness and gratitude to all life and yourself on the planet. And just letting that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking another deep breath in through your nose. Imagine universal source light coming down and supporting you pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being as you just cultivate the feeling of love, compassion, and gratitude within your heart, within your entire being. Just let that second breath out slowly. And now taking another deep breath in through your nose and magnify this feeling, double this feeling of love and gratitude and peace and kindness and compassion. Just doubling that feeling and doubling that feeling once again and now as you sit in this feeling and allow all those feelings and emotions to permeate every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being, I want you to send that energy out to everyone you ever met, your friends, your family, and all sentient beings on the planet, just sending them love, peace, and coherence. And remember that you are love, peace, balance, coherence, and vibrationally coherent, whole and worthy, just as you are. So there we go. Now we're ready to coherently get into part two with David Warner Matheson. Or wealth. Those things aren't bad. I'm also going to give those to you. You didn't ask for those. He doesn't say, I'm glad you didn't ask for a long life because a long life is a bad thing. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say wealth is a bad thing either. But as we saw in the Solomon, I mean, the, the Midas myth, that shouldn't be the primary reason that we're using the, the the wisdom that we find in these myths. But anyway, so what I'm driving towards, I'm not trying to preach to people. Go to the myths and see what they say. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I don't pretend to interpret them for you. But I think that if you learn their language, then you can go and see what they have for you. And I think that one thing that they do have is, so I'm going to go back to showing this um, presentation. Let me just, in the interest of time show you some, the, this um, configure this, this angle of 
Solomon's body, Solomon, I brought in King Solomon, the wisest, and go back to Samson. The angle of Samson's body in that painting and the way his toe is hooked over and the way his knees are portrayed, I think that artist is telling you he may line up with, this is Scorpio in the heavens. I'm just going to move through it really quickly to show you the code. You can see even his toe, um, he's got a toe even hooked over his leg. Now you see he's actually lying between the knees. The Bible says he's lying in the lap of Delilah. This is Delilah here. She's calling in someone else to cut his hair. But she's saying, hey, cut it like this. But you see, I pointed out that the artist, looking at the text, knows that Samson's lying in her lap. Well, right above, here's Scorpio for people who are just listening. I'm showing Scorpio lining up with Samson, who's lying in the lap of Delilah. So the figure who's just above Scorpio in the sky is an, a constellation called Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus actually means the serpent handler. Serpent handler. And you can see he's holding this. The stars look like the outline of a serpent that he's holding. You see that on either side of him or her. Yeah. All these constellations can play a male role or a female role. So Ophiuchus in this myth, I believe, probably lines up with Delilah because you see he's lying in her lap in between her legs and she's calling in another figure right here that I've indicated with a yellow arrow for those who are watching on YouTube, who's coming in with her hand extended here, carrying a scissors. And just across from Scorpio in the night sky, for viewers who are really familiar with the stars, you might know what I'm driving at already. But the, the artist has put in a little extra detail just in case there's a quiver of arrows there. So... There's a constellation is near to Scorpio, who's associated with arrows. In fact, the name of the constellation comes from the Latin word for arrows, and that is Sagittarius. So there's Sagittarius, and you can see, see the angle of the, this is actually Sagittarius's bow, but you see how it's being held at a certain angle from the body? So the bow, I think, is actually, apparently, the ancients also may have envisioned that as a pair of scissors. Um, anyway, this artist has basically put the pair of scissors that's going to cut Samson's hair in the exact same position as the bow of Sagittarius. And there's even this little bench right here that the artist has put in. See this kind of distinctive two-legged bench that Samson is leaning against? Mm -hmm. So those who are listening, it's to the right of Samson as we look on the image, because I've, I've actually flipped the image. but Right in front of Scorpio in the sky, so for viewers who are familiar with astrology and the path that the sun takes through the zodiac, so if Sagittarius is on the left side of Scorpio, as we're looking towards the south from the northern hemisphere, I think we have hemispheres, but you could argue with me on that. Um, but from the northern wow. hemisphere, we look, <laughs> we, look, we look towards the south to see the zodiac. So on the other side of Scorpio is Libra. Libra is the balance or the scales. And you see how it looks in the night sky? Let's go back to that mm -hmm. bench. Remember, I said, I think that in that painting, the artist is envisioning Samson as Scorpio, about to get a haircut from Sagittarius coming in from his left. He's lying asleep in the lap of Delilah, right here, Ophiuchus over his head. And the artist has 
giving us even one other clue, this bench with two legs. Whoops, I'll go back. Back. See that bench? Does that mm-hmm. not look like the outline of Libra? Mm-hmm. So the artist is encoding his interpretation of the scene. I don't even know that the artist understood what he was doing. I think that these conventions of painting, you can see them down through the centuries. So the artist may have just been told, look, when we paint Samson, we do it this way. Because there were these formal schools of art. There was academies that, you know, you you didn't just become a, a fine artist in France in the 1500s. You had to like, it was like getting into Hollywood and then, you know, you got kicked out if you weren't good enough. And you learned certain ways of portraying these images. They may have learned the way of portraying different figures without knowing that what they were portraying lines up with the stars. But I think this is the correct interpretation of what's going on with Samson and Delilah. In other words, I think it's happening at the part of the zodiac wheel that corresponds to Scorpio, Sagittarius, in other words, the bottom of the year, which is the day that we're talking on right now, the winter solstice. Okay, so let me cruise ahead. Oh, by the way, Samson has the seven locks of his head. It's talked about in the Bible. She sheared off the seven locks of his head. Um, If you look at ancient artwork, this is the sun god Helios. He's got seven rays coming out from his head. If you go to the Statue of Liberty in New York in the harbor, you can count that she has seven rays coming out of her head. Here's an ancient mosaic of Apollo. That those of you listening, it's an ancient mosaic showing Apollo. He's got seven rays coming out of his head. So the seven locks of hair that get shorn off, it's the sun traveling through different parts of the year. Why would the sun get his hair cut on the winter solstice? Well, it's the, the time that the sun is the weakest. It's at this lowest point. It's the shortest day of the year. Night is really dominating, right? And there's Hamlet's Mill. So, oh, there's H.A. Ray. Goodness. Um, Let me get to the right. Okay, here we go. It's the next one. I was talking about how much better the H.A. Ray outlines are. They're way better. But here's the outline of the year. This is the way it's portrayed in astrology. But this is just a shorthand for what the sun does throughout the year. These are the different, the way this one is arranged. Here's Virgo. Here's Leo. Remember, Samson went down to meet the woman. But in this part of the year, what happens is the sun, as it goes through the year, we have an equinox. We just crossed over the equinox. The lower half of the year after the equinox, the days start to become shorter than nights, right? We know that in some part of the year, nights are longer than days, and in some part of the year, days are longer than nights, right? With me yep. on that? Mm-hmm. So this, I'm just showing the sun, I'll, I'll, I'll move along here, but I just wanna show you the code. The sun is plunging down lower and lower. At this point here, it's reached Sagittarius, and it finally reaches its lowest point on the winter solstice, the day we're talking. And then what happens? It turns back up again. Days start to get longer until finally it crosses over that equinox in the spring equinox. 
and now days are longer than nights. So at the equinox, the days are about equal, but once we get above them, days are longer than nights. So that upper half of the year and lower half of the year, I believe the system is encoding. The lower half has to do with physical, material, and this earthly life. The upper half has to do with spirit, um, the realm of spirit, the realm of pure potential. And so what Samson is, kind of like Midas, he's a figure who's a fairly negative figure. He just runs around mainly chasing women and getting into fights and using his great strength. And then he has this comeuppance, or he kind of <laughs> he finally meets his match in Delilah. She shaves off his hair, and he's made weak, but his hair starts to grow back again. So what I think these things are actually talking about, when we move the sun back, is the plunge down into this body is encoded by the, the sun's plunge down into the lower half of the year. This has to do with are coming down and taking on a human body and we get entangled in it and that's all we focus on kind of like samson but there's a point where we have a turning point and that turning point of the year the solstice that's where we start to realize wait a minute there's we can elevate our our chakras, we can get in touch with our higher self. That's what I believe this turning point of the year that we're talking on right now, this, this winter solstice was encoded as the great turning point. That's the day that the, the higher self is born, or that's the day that the Christ within awakens. That's the day that the, the, your consciousness, uh, begins to, that's when you start to elevate and integrate with your higher self. So let me just, um, I'll stop talking and let you kind of respond to that. But that's what I believe. If you can, if you can understand that, okay, this part of the Samson story, there's all these winter solstice symbology. We've got things that appear to correspond to Sagittarius or appear to correspond to Scorpio at the bottom of the wheel, the lowest point, the sun getting his hair shorn off, but then his hair starts to grow back again. It has to do with getting in touch with your higher self. So I'm just going to zip down to um, Krishna and Arjun and getting in touch with your higher self right here. And then I'll just stop, stop sharing, and we can talk about that. But that's what a long answer, because it takes a little while to unpack the code. You're not going to learn Chinese. You're not going to learn to speak Chinese in a half an hour. <laughs> not even going to learn the, a few characters. You know, it takes years. But I believe that if we learn the language that they're speaking, then you can learn what they're trying to tell you. And I think they're trying to tell you things that have to do with getting in touch with spirit, your higher self, all the, you know, being the, you know, accomplishing the mission that you're down here to accomplish. That's what I think that they're, that they're talking about. 
Wow, man, that's yeah, dude, that's a lot. It's, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, and for those who are who are listening, I highly recommend checking out the photos. And I appreciate you taking the time to show the uh, all of the imagery and the links because a lot of the information today is out there, and people are just saying things. You know, you're backing this up. This took you years to understand. You're showing each individual part, so saying, "Hey, look, like you can't look past that." And then ultimately, we're going to go, "Okay, look." This is how you read. So now you can read books. You know, this isn't just the here's the meaning of the book. Here's the meaning of the book. So I actually I had a lot of thoughts on that. And I'll kind of ramble off and I'll, I'll throw it back to you because I'm glad we're getting into Krishna now. Um, so when we understand the, the code, are these in the sense like Zen cones? So, you know, there's Zen cones on surrender. So one of the one of the uh, ones that I can remember is the story of the farmer. And uh, his son is on the horse one day and the farmer's out there and are in the he's out and uh, the horse runs away. And then his neighbor comes. He's like, oh, what bad luck. Your horse ran away. He's like, farmer says, maybe. So then a week later, the horse comes back with seven other horses. And so now he's got seven new horses and the neighbor comes over and says, oh, wow, what what great luck that you have. And the farmer says, maybe. And then his son is on the horse then the next day and he breaks his leg and then the farmer comes back again. He's like, oh, what bad luck? He says, maybe. Two days after that, the military comes to recruit his son <laughs> again. He says, maybe. And so, the you know, the Zen cone is a lesson in life and how to navigate it where we don't know. You know, you have this story and it's sharing this message about you. But if you can understand the meaning, if you're able to kind of scope out and really get the message, you realize it is about you navigating your life and so you talked a little bit about um i don't know where it was but what it made me think of was dan winter talking about in this higher dimensional realm that we go to shareable thoughts oh yeah it was the the midas thing so when we go to this higher realm and this spiritual realm if you are still in this selfish mode when this happens and you have selfish thoughts and you're actually going to get eaten up in that realm. You're not going to be able to either stay up there. I don't know. Eaten up might be a bad term. Maybe you just don't get to stay. Maybe the door, maybe the bouncer just keeps you down here in the realm of material grossness, you know, competition, physicality, when you had this opportunity to be in a higher state. And so that's kind of how I um, see that. Um, I'll, I'll leave this one. I was wondering if you believe that possibly people are using this technology on the planet um, in negative ways, which I think very, very possible. Um, the coding, the understanding of the language. So you're you're looking at these mythos with ancient texts, with the stars, which are immovable. You can always look up and find the stars, and then they're coded in ancient books. So then you piece them together. You start to learn a new language. Well, what I've been realizing lately is coding. Um, kids are learning how to code, and coding when you learn a new language or you learn English and then you learn French and then you learn uh, Spanish, you're learning a new way to interpret your reality. It even goes so far as some people, when they learn a new language, they have a different personality in that language. They're not trying to do it. It just happens because they're expressing their personality with a whole new set of words and we express ourselves through mm -hmm. words. So it's really fascinating. Um, and then with the the Samson scenario, again, with the going underneath, what I see it as is uh, cycles uh, and almost karma. So when you're coming down here, 
if you're able to um, essentially take the lessons and think shareable thoughts, not only think of yourself, be be essentially of service or just mindful of nature, mindful of creation, mindful of other things that are existing around you, just as simple as that. Right. You know, you wake up and you're like, oh, man, I could go get my neighbor's things and I could go do all this stuff. And you have these stories in in the Bible and it's very simple. But we're like that today. It's showing you, hey, if you just got a small village and you're trying to rob your buddy's sheep and sleep with his wife, probably not great. That's that's probably not ideal in the spiritual realm. And uh, one of the most intense books that I've ever read was the Bhagavad Gita. And, you know, that goes into Arjun and all these different things. And for me, it's a very powerful uh, – and they talk – they quote the Bible in there too. And Jesus is a very powerful um, metaphor for our reality. And and so the last thing that I'll put back for all that because I'm, again, like decoding it for myself because this is new for me. I'm aware of the stars. I'm aware. So I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it as this big picture thing. And the last thing that it that it's – coming to mind is that if we're in these cycles, the Mayan cycle has stopped. I keep hearing about Ascension and 5D and stuff like that. I'm a personal uh, believer in that. I think that we are moving into a new realm of consciousness. I think we're moving into a new realm of reality. Um, Technology is going to increase uh, our abilities, mental capacities for those who are aware of it will increase beyond what we can imagine if we accept it. And the acceptance of this is the new cycle. We just came out of this cycle of darkness. Look at history. What the flying F-bomb and every other swear word that can happen. And even right now, we're in this darkness. What the F? Jeez, it's ridiculous. And it's like, how can we even claim to be an intelligent species with all this crap going on? Who is doing this? How is this happening? It's ridiculous. And so I think that we're moving into this new world of light, this, this, this new cycle, this new solstice, this new energy. And these are codes for navigating the energy. And so the way that I, my mind wrapped this in a loop for me was you would be kind of one of those people giving like the language, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and we're starting to look at it. And then we're going to be able to decode the whole thing to know how to navigate in this realm in the same way in the autobiography of a yogi, when, uh, Yogananda's uh, mentor, or uh, what do you? What's the what's the proper name for a yogi guru. mentor? Guru. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I think they, yeah, guru. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guru. I'm, I'm probably not even saying it. I'm probably not even saying it right, but yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's guru. Jesus, yogis are gonna be pissed. Uh, sorry, sorry, guys. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's guru. Uh, to- exactly right. Yeah, totally. I resonate with Sifu. Yeah, totally. Sifu. Uh, dies and he says he's gonna die comes back and he ascends and then he comes back like three days three days later just like christ or whatever and yogan is like oh my god gives him this huge hug and he starts talking about the next realm and i've i've heard about the next realm in that book in um the aquarian gospel of jesus the christ the book of raw which i i i'm down with all i resonate with all these uh books um and life and teachings of the master of the far east all very similar, and actually in the Bhagavad Gita, if you want to test your spiritual knowledge, read that book because sweet bananas. That was like – sometimes it was like two pages take me half an hour. I'm like, wow, it's a lot. Um, and letting it soak in with so much good, good knowledge in there, man. Just oh, so good. And so 
ah, crap, I lost my train of thought with my enthusiasm. Um, but he talks about how in that next realm, he's teaching people how to be in it because now it's a whole new rule set, right? It's a whole new rule set. And so here things take a while and we don't exactly know our consequences sometimes, although we should if we have awareness because it is pretty friggin' cyclical and you should bring awareness to it. But in this realm, it's a whole new game. And I think that we might be moving into that game. And these are going to be codes that we need to play it to let go of this old stuff and then start to learn the new lessons because we're going to have bigger um, consequences. Like I've heard, you know, your thoughts will manifest pretty much instantly. If you, in, uh, uh, Dan Winter has the physics on a shareable wave, a shareable thought has a different frequency than a competition thought or a, I'm going to kill you thought. It has a different physics wave. And you can't be up there. You're going to kind of implode. You you kind of ex explode yourself out of the picture. Uh, so that's my enthusiastic rant on everything that you just gave me. Um, maybe, you know, I was just curious if you took all these star myths, and I would love to have, like, the cone lesson, you know, like the Samson story. You know, you're in this realm of 3D. You know, I think really for the bottom line for me is just, like, spiritual. I was like, just don't be a dick. Don't just be a selfish dick and just think about yourself all the time. Just, you know, figure out who you are. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of your community. Contribute a little bit. Think of a higher thought. Think of a higher realm. Think of yourself as beyond just physical. You're more than just physical. Your energy, you're not going to die. You know, you'll die physically, but, you know, you're going to continue living. Your consciousness is going to go. So it's going to be a like a continuous path, you know. And then the story is like, hey, you know, all of them are like, look what, look what, what happens when you're a selfish dick. It doesn't work out. You know, it's just it's so obvious. So I don't know. Maybe there's other lessons than that. Um, but that, that's usually the bottom line one for me. So that's I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> give it back to you. That was great. That was great. Um, yeah. So I think the answer to your questions, you you had a few in there. Um, do I think it's like a Cohen? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. No. Um, yeah, I think the answer is yes. So <laughs> I think the answer is yes to your uh, question, because what is a Cohen, a Zen Cohen trying to do uh, is trying to shake you into a new paradigm, right? By listening to that story about the farmer, we um, are given a story that we have an aha moment. Or like I heard you talking to somebody about the story of uh, the guy who goes to the master and says, I want enlightenment, and he slaps him in the face. There you go. You're enlightened. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> because it, I brought you back from, I brought you back from thinking uh, that it's somewhere else, and I immediately brought you right back to where you are. Oh. Well, that's what these stories I believe are doing. The Samson story is showing you in pictures this message. The Bhagavad Gita story is showing you this picture in message. What the Bhagavad Gita is actually it predates the New Testament. Um, and it's actually part of the Mahabharata. The Maha it's spelled like Mahabharata. It's inside it's it's a section within this huge epic, an epic that's actually much longer than the Odyssey and the Iliad combined. And do you know what the, the Bhagavad Gita 
in, in the story? Do you know what it is? It's the song. It means the song of the Lord. And it's the, the Lord Krishna. And he's talking to Arjun. I'll, I'll go back to share screen. Um, here. They are. This is Arjun and Krishna. They're in. They're on the eve of battle, right? Did you know that it's it's Krishna talking to Arjun on the eve of, or at the beginning of the? It's not the eve. It's the battle's about to begin. You can see the horses in the background there. Do you, do you know that? that yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I'm aware of this story. Yeah, and and Arjun is not wanting to fight. He says, you know what? I don't want to kill my uncle or my, you know that. Or, or, or my my martial arts teacher from when I and he happens to be on the other side. I can't fight against them. I think I'll just sit out in the middle of the battlefield, and if I die, I'm just going to lay my weapons down. He's having doubts about whether he should even do this. And then Krishna begins the Bhagavad Gita and tells him, "Well, Arjun, let me start to tell you some things." So the situation itself actually lines up with. Krishna is the charioteer. I'm still on the phone. Um, Krishna is the charioteer who is divine. He's the Lord Krishna. And he is talking to doubting Arjun. Arjun is having doubts. Okay, that is a parallel. That's a direct parallel to doubting Thomas in the Bible. Thomas is having doubts, and he finally encounters the risen Christ. And then Christ says, don't doubt, you know, believe, put your fingers here. And I've heard you talk about, you know, your own practice, your own coaching that you do. You tell people not to get caught up in, you know, when you're, I don't know, if you're about to lift a clean, clean a heavy uh, weight or take a, critical shot on the goal <laughs> you probably shouldn't have what are the words that you say don't um not oh, don't yeah don't not know don't not know that shouldn't be going through your head right doubting thomas thomas actually has a place arjun actually has a place we actually need our lower self as well we need our doubting capability right you need to you need to have doubts you said Hey, shouldn't we doubt what we're being told about the earth being round? I mean, I haven't seen it. Yes, you should use your, I mean, we were given these critical facilities for a reason. You should have uh, the ability to ask questions like, well, is there any evidence that you can show me besides these pictures? Um, is there any way I can know that the earth is round? Or if you tell me that this is what happened with the Kennedy assassination, should I check that out for 9-11? Yes. Or if I leave the house, I like to use this one. And I have some doubts that I turned off the stove after I cooked some, some scrambled eggs for breakfast. Would it be wise maybe to go back and check? Yes. <laughs> so we do have a place for doubts, but they should be under the control of our higher self. When, when Arjun goes out on the battlefield, who's his charioteer? Krishna. Who is steering the horses? Krishna. So the lower self is necessary, but it should be who should be in charge? As the more we can have the higher self in charge, the better.
And so the more we can become integrated with our higher self, the better. So in the story of Doubting Thomas, he finally says, my Lord and my God, he shows the correct relationship between the higher and the lower. You should be getting in touch with your higher self and letting your higher self be the charioteer. So when you're meditating, you know, there's um, Upanishads that talk about the chariot is the, 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 the chariot is your body and it's being pulled around by the senses and the mind. Well, you should be giving those horses can pull you off a cliff, but if, but they're actually, you want to have strong horses, right? We want to have, we, we just want that power to be under control. So what do you have to do? You have to give the reins to your higher self as much as possible. So the more that Krishna is in charge of the senses, if I can, when my horses try and run away, if I can get my higher self to, I, I, I can put my higher self in charge of the senses, then it's like, okay, I really want to hit that guy. But wait a minute, I don't have to go where the horses are pulling me because I can take a deep breath and say, you know what, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I was accidentally looking at your girlfriend. That was my bad. Let's not get into a fight about it. I don't need to prove anything. And that was a mistake, you know. So um, uh, that's, that's what I think the higher self and the lower self is being shown in the Bhagavad Gita. And in fact, in the Bhagavad Gita, we've got the same... Um, We've got the same constellations. A lot of those constellations are the the war chariot that they're sitting at, and I believe lines up with Ophiuchus. And the reason is, I don't know if you're familiar with this little detail, but on top of the on top of the chariot, there's a special banner. When they go into battle on Krishna's war cart, there's a special banner that actually has the god Hanuman or Hanuman. On top, did you know that that he's up there? Like the, the monkey-headed god is on top of the chariot, and he's a god, and he actually roars. And um, you know, by having that banner on top of the chariot, it helps Arjun in the battle. Well, right on top of Ophiuchus, there's another constellation. This is the constellation Hercules that I believe lines up with Hanuman. I believe that Hanuman is a Hercules figure. We don't really have time to dive into that, but I have explained it in some blog posts. You don't have to buy my books to read about that. But So this scene is celestial to tell us that it's talking about spiritual things. It's not just a battle that happened in thousands of years ago in India. It's not a historical, it's not primarily a historical narrative. It's talking about you getting in touch with your higher self. And by the way, your lower self is going to have doubts. So that's why you have to get in touch with your higher self, because those doubts are going to sabotage you, <laughs> just like doubting Thomas and doubting Arjun. They need to get in touch with their higher self. So, I mean, there's a t tons more, of course, we could talk about in the Bhagavad Gita, but that's what I believe. That lowest part of the cycle is representing kind of the point of maximum doubt or maximum letting the horses run away with you. And we're supposed to be elevating that. And, uh, 
And you also asked, if we can start elevating that, can we change the world? Yes, <laughs> I think so. I think that's, um, that's what these myths are there for, to help. They were given to humanity. I think they probably come from a time that predates ancient Egypt, predates ancient Mesopotamia, Babylon, predates ancient China. And all around the world, what we have are echoes of an extremely ancient system. So, mm. Wow. Well, man, I, I love that. And, and what I was thinking about when I was looking at that, and I'm so glad the, the Bhagavad Gita has come, come back up because uh, it was a powerful book for me to read. I read it maybe two years ago, two, two or three winters ago, I think two. And, you know, it really was a test for me to see where I was at spiritually. And you know, I felt really good about how much I could interpret and how much I, I, I could essentially decode. And I was like, whoa, I understand this because I gave it to some other people to chess. I was like, read that. What do you think of that? And they were just like, I have no idea. I'm like, nice. Like I'm I'm kind of <laughs> I'm I'm kind of uncoding myself a little bit. And that was cool. And 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 it's so simple to me sometimes because you've got that graph there and you've got it and I didn't see that, you know, in the book. It doesn't have that little thing where it shows the senses, uh, the mind, the body. Right. And so it's fascinating to me because we live in this world where our bodies go to work. Our bodies are in these cubicles, not everybody's body, but many people's bodies. You've got people who work in all these different senses and they're putting in their bodies in spaces they don't necessarily want to be in. So and then we've got the next layer. So you've got body, then the mind. Right. And so the body's in a space that it doesn't want to be in, and the mind knows this. So we have a disconnect. There's two things already gone, right? And then the senses out here are just perceiving as like an outer ring. They're just perceiving your work environment and things like that. And then meanwhile, what the story is suggesting is that you have this higher self and this higher guidance. And if you can start controlling where you move your body and where you place your body with your mind, that's going to become a little bit more in harmony. And then you're going to have a greater connection with the higher self. It's going to have less doubt and it's going to expand the senses. And for me, if people can start really paying attention to how they feel, to where they're putting their bodies, do you want to put your body there? Um, and and it's so simple to me, you know, in, the, in that sense. But is it easy? No, is it, it's, it's very hard because you're going to have doubts. Do I want to do this thing? to put my body in a new situation and my mind in a new space. So I got to believe that it's possible that I can survive in this new space with this new understanding, with this new perspective. And when we touched on religion a little bit earlier, it's like you're dying. If you grew up, it's like the JP Sears has this hilarious Christmas video. It's so, so funny. It just talks about, you know, Santa Claus. He's like, I remember when I realized Santa Claus wasn't, real and he was like this bearded man in the sky who you know watches you all the time and rewards you if you're good and punishes you if you're not you know it's pretty hard when i realized that but then a week later i found jesus this bearded man in the sky who watches me all the time who who rewards me if i'm good and, and punishes me if i'm not it just draws it out so obviously and and you're like oh man like that's interesting too and so 
when we can kind of go a little bit beyond and and find those lessons you know find those things that resonate with us find find the core of that message and um move towards like our own truth kind of rambling and and lost my train of thought a little bit but really the idea i think that is uh looking at these things that um we're more powerful than we give ourselves credit for and we sign up for these realities and they don't feel good but it's hard to change them and so if you go oh that's the kind of thought is coming back so if you go and you're living your whole life and this is what you believe and you have to start looking at new evidence and you're 20 and you're 30 and you're 40 that's really hard to do you know and i have compassion for that really it's just like the old stubborn grandpa you know he's set in his ways that's the way and now though the difference is we have the internet and that's the first thing that's changed everything the internet allows us to check facts i can go right i love the, the flat earth is perfect because I can go and I'm going to look about why the earth is flat and check out the argument. And I ha I just got flat earth once and it was the best. It was so great. It was so hilarious the way it was done. And just, just me listening, I was like, I don't necessarily believe the earth is flat when this was done. And this was like a three-hour amazing experience. Loved it. I was asking questions. He was pulling up videos. You know, he's getting me here and here. Like, you know, I was like, holy crap. And I was like... I don't necessarily believe the earth is flat now, but that was a very strong argument. However, just by my open listening, you opened up three or four ways of thinking that I didn't have. You know, it's like it was just I was like, dude, I just I just thought about not just, you know, like I would think about skateboarding differently all of a sudden because I opened up to this thought because it opened up these little pathways, not necessarily saying the whole theory was correct, but I'm open to that, and that's where I think people can really have a powerful lesson is just let the evidence come in, you know, and you can kind of tell when people are just talking smack, you know, you can – but let it in. Let it in anyway because their their perspective is their truth, and maybe you just find that little grain of a nugget, and you're like, thanks for sharing, man. You know, you know, I don't agree with that, but that, that was passionate little nugget there. So, um, you know, this has been – I think that uh, – there's so many different things coming out with how we're understanding our reality. And this is another code that we're going to be unpacking. And, and the stars are one of the most ancient codes. And, you know, the mythos are ancient lessons. And they're simple lessons. But they're not being embodied. That's the whole point. That's why we're still learning this. We're in, we are in, um, in uh, what do they call it, like a little, little kid church. What is that? Whatever. For, Sunday, Sunday school. school. Yeah, right. We're, we haven't even got the basics yet, you know, because we screwed up the story. You know, we haven't even got the basis yet of like, you know, stop murdering everybody. Stop saying that you're different. So now I murder you. We're not even there yet. So how are we supposed to travel to the stars and be open to like a galactic federation and, and other species and expansion and men in black and all that possibility if we can't even sort out shooting our neighbor next door because he looked at us funny and he believes something different. Um, so. That's my rant, and I'll, I'll leave it there. And um, I, we have been going for a while, so yeah, I'd love we to should ask wrap you. it up so it's not too long on the yeah. On the, but but let, me wanna... react to, let me react to a couple things, yeah. and then you can ask your last things. But um, okay, yeah, I, I mean, because if the podcast said, or the video says thirty-two hours, no one's going to click on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it might. But uh, but yeah, you said a few things that are you know really worth touching on. Just a couple, you know, the Santa Claus. I don't think it's actually wrong 
to learn the Santa Claus story. So Santos Bonacci, who actually, interesting, he's become super pro flat earth and says, you know, bad things about you if you're not flat earth. But I learned a lot from Santos Bonacci about connections to the stars. He talks about them as well. And uh, he talks about Santa Claus as that's actually great to learn about Santa Claus because it actually relates to the pineal gland. But when you first learn about Santa Claus, you don't teach a three-year-old, I'm going to tell you this story that's about the pineal gland. You tell them the story, and then later when they're ready, you say, do you know what that's really about? And then they can go, whoa, it's just like Mr. Miyagi and Daniel-san in the first Karate Kid where he's waxing the car and he doesn't know what it's about, right? You know the Mr. Miyagi? I actually, kid. I don't know. I, I you're gonna have to refresh on the pineal gland. Can you give me like the, oh. the basis of that one? I know, I know, I've heard it before, but I, I would love a, a like a summary update, Cole's note of the Santa Claus pineal gland because yeah. that's even the way that you're explaining it, it's very powerful, right? If you you start with the misto the mythos in the story, then you get the correct lesson. Now we're really accelerating our knowledge of ourselves, and then hence everything else because we are connected to everything else, including the stars. That's what I think the myths are doing. So you can know the Samson story or the story of Solomon. And then someone says, you know what? That's not really about Samson. That's about you. That's not really about Solomon. That's about you. Oh, what do you mean? Well, you can be, you can have wisdom or et cetera. So um, the, the pineal gland argument is actually Santos Bonacci's argument. It's not my argument, but it has to do with. So, I to do it justice, go search on YouTube Santos Pineal Santa Claus, and you'll find it. Um, cool. To do it justice, I don't want to. That's his research. I'm not an expert in it, but it has to do cool. with coming down the chimney, where the pineal gland is. You know, it drip into the back of your mouth if you. Um, ah. It drops yeah. the, the fluid. So it has to do with bringing the presence down the chimney. It's actually they're located inside the, you know, cerebellum and the cerebrum and um, the positioning. All of his argument has to do with that, the actual anatomy of the human uh, hmm. brain and what the pineal gland does. So, but but that is the esoteric method. It's to teach. You don't understand it at first necessarily, but that's not bad. You, you know it before you know it. So Daniel-san in Karate Kid was learning wax on, wax off. He didn't know what he was learning, but he actually knew something. And then he goes up to Mr. Miyagi and says, I'm so tired of waxing your car, painting your fence. When am I going to learn some karate? And Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel-san. He doesn't say anything else. He just says, Daniel-san, show me wax on, wax off. And he punches him. You already know karate. I, I was teaching it to you, but you didn't know I was teaching it to you. Now the light bulb comes on because it's a better way of teaching because it gets past the Thomas mind, the doubting mind. Because if Mr. Miyagi said, okay, Daniel-san, I'm going to show you how to stop a block. You know, Johnny kicks this way. I'm going to show you how to stop that particular kick. Daniel-san's doubting mind would get, his analytical mind would say, Wait a minute, what if he kicks a little bit lower? Will this still work? Actually, I'm not even sure this will work. Wait, if I put my hand like this, will that really work? 
there's all these doubts are coming in the way. You go straight to the, it's like the Cohen short circuit or jumps straight through all that nonsense and hits you. Boom. That's what Mr. Miyagi was doing. He's saying, I know a better way to teach you this with a story or with a, a physical thing. And then boom, jump right through that to then you know it. Now you experience it. So when he says, show me wax on, wax off, he doesn't say, do you believe this block will stop me? He just says, show me wax on, wax off, and he punches him. You have, you have to feel it. Now you know that it can stop that particular force or whatever. So I believe that's what these myths are doing when they, when you go, you know what Samson is really about? Oh, whoa. Then you get it at a different level, just like Danielson did. So your Santa Claus story, if nobody, Santos Bonacci says, if nobody ever tells you the reason you learned the Santa Claus story, how sad is that? You know, if you never knew that it's the pineal gland and you can have uh, DMT or whatever, your brain can produce it all by yourself. Ooh, I didn't know that. If you just stay at wax on, if all you ever do is wax the car, well, that's not good. I mean, mm -hmm. Daniel-san was made for something more, or Daniel-san actually needed something more. He was in a bad situation. He's getting beaten up. And if somebody came up to him and said, don't listen to that Miyagi character, because he's going to tell you that this is about karate. Don't get any funny ideas. This is about waxing the car. Well, that's not going to help him when Johnny comes and beats him up. Because all he knows is mm -hmm. wax the car. Actually, he knows karate, but he doesn't know that he knows karate. He's been taught it, but someone told him it's only for waxing the car. So I just wanted to latch on to your Santa thing, and we should really probably cut it off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a really is a really good point and really interesting, powerful way to know it, right? And this is it's kind of like completing a knowledge cycle. We've been stunted. We've kind of been robbed of the second part of the act. We got the first act. And now what I think is being unveiled is the second part, the real knowledge, the wisdom to carry us through, to activate the pineal gland. You know, I've had those experiences, not in the way that Dan Winter talks about them, but I would say like I'm a mini, you know, I'm a mini experiencer compared to what I see as mastery. But to to the average Joe, I'm like, you know, holy smokes, you know, people. Well, think I, just wanna, I just want yeah. to I just want to jump in and say I don't claim mastery. You know, I don't claim to be an enlightened, uh, you know, at all. I don't want to give that impression that I, you know, have everything all figured out. I'm saying, I think they're speaking this language and we can all go to the source. When we speak that language, we can go there. That's where the wisdom is, not in what I'm saying, but um, I just wanted to jump in with that because you're... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm with you. Yeah, and I wasn't, you know, projecting on you or whatever. It's just, it's now, it's now we have access to this knowledge to experience it for ourselves. So another example would be Wim Hof, you know, setting all these records in cold. You can go do that breath pattern and sit in cold and do these things and activate the body where 20 years ago, they would think, how would you go sit in ice and what does that do for you, right? People are having massive healing from Wim Hof breathing. They're having these you know, they're really understanding their body because uh, there's a method um, and a way of doing it. They have yoga, right? People who go down the yogic method, right? So, you know, from my experience, I like to practice these things and do them. And I know, you know, from people that I can look at and learn and where they set the bars of mastery. And we're all 
just we have the option to code ourselves, right? What? How do we want to decode ourselves? And there's they say there's a million different paths home. Choose the one that you want and just whatever resonates, it's going to you're going to kind of like climb a tree, pick pick the branch you want. You could do it through ballet. You could do it through art. You could do it through whatever. You could do it um, through anything. So the last question that I was going to ask you is just, uh, you know, first, just appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your knowledge and, and spending your time and going into such detail and and, and really just your work. Seven books is it's a it's a lot to to do. And you're going to give a massive head start to a lot of people, you know, sometimes uh, someone like, oh, my dad mostly be like, your podcast should be shorter. I'm like, the amount of work that you've set as a ground stone for, you know, I don't know if that's a right term, for someone to come in and piggyback and go the next way, this is going to be powerful decoding for all of us because then it's shared out. It's like, hey, we cracked another one, you know, that starts to go out in the ether we cracked another one. So I just want to commend you on, uh, on, on your work and connecting these dots and, and doing what you do. So the last question is simply, is there anything that you wish that I asked or anything that you want to close with or, or chat about before we shut it down? Yeah. So thanks very much, Matt. It's been really a pleasure. Um, I would say that I, I would echo off of what you just said is that there are so many different paths and I would say, I don't think it's new or that it wasn't available, but it wasn't necessarily available in what we call the West, right? So you talked about yoga. It's been here for thousands of years, Tai Chi. So it's been available, but it got suppressed in a certain part of the world. But it's not necessarily that I'm unveiling something that's new, because as I showed in that painting from the early 1800s, and I could show you from the 1300s, 1400s, 1500s, this was understood, or someone did know it, but I think it got suppressed, or maybe it was always uh, kept, the full knowledge was always kept to, um, you know, small circle, but everyone was allowed to go to the Eleusinian Mysteries, so... Um, I believe what has happened is, unfortunately, it's been used for some bad purposes. You did mention that. Like, um, if you want to keep it to a small circle and argue that it should only be kept to a small circle, then don't go stamp out the culture of the Native Americans with your interpretation. Or don't go uh, colonize the world and tell them that they have to accept the Bible literally. So, um I believe that it's always been there and you could always find a teacher to teach you in the stream has been uh, choked off in some areas more than another. So in India, the stream of yoga has been has not been choked off. It goes all the way back to ancient times in China, the stream of uh, certain practices, Qigong or martial arts has been preserved. In the West, it got suppressed, and that's why people in the West are saying, ooh, I feel like I need to go to a teacher from a Native American tradition or from India or from China, because why? It didn't get stamped out in certain places. So I just want to say, uh, I don't think I'm offering something new. I'm saying I'm offering 
uh, I'm pointing to things that are very, very old. And these paintings that existed in the West show that the, the streams did, they were preserved in the West too. But unfortunately, um, you did have people saying, don't listen to Mr. Miyagi. It's only about waxing the car. Well, meanwhile, they were using Kung Fu to beat people up in other parts of the world. So that's not good. Um, but how to get back in touch with it? So you asked what kind of, to end on a positive note, I think you're absolutely right that there are all these paths and there are paths, you know, that will fit your, you know, everybody, you don't have to do yoga and Tai Chi and breath work and um, also become a master of, I don't know, you know, Qigong. I think if you pick one path and get really deep on that path, that uh, any path that you choose will get you to these places. So it could be, like you said, forms of art like ballet or painting or singing. It could be chanting. I think there are all these methods that have survived in all parts of the world, even in places where it's been suppressed, you know, art, sculpture. Are, are paths that you can take. But um, ultimately, I think these things are about blessing and not cursing. So raising the consciousness. When we think of swear words, you know, you were, you were saying, what the flying F-bomb. All those swear words, they're also called cursing, right? Well, don't cuss at me or don't curse at me. What are curse words? They're things that like force people down. And most of our curse words have to do with bodily functions like you're just a f or a a or an s or a whatever right why because cursing is trying to force someone to be just the sum of their physical body or calling someone the, a racial epithet or a derogatory term for a woman or something what are you doing you're denying their spiritual higher self and saying you're nothing but uh, an F. You're nothing but a physical function. Well, that's not actually true. It's actually a lie. Every single person you ever meet is, you know, in the story of Arjun and Krishna, which one are you? Well, the answer is both. You're the, you've got a higher self. Uh, I do believe the gods are real. But in the story of Castor and Pollux, these divine twins, one of them's mortal. One of them is immortal. Which one is you? Both. You've got a mortal part to you, but you've also got an immortal part that will live on after the body. Um, I think that's what the myths are saying. So cursing is seeing yourself as nothing more than a physical body or your physical limitations and not acknowledging or getting in touch at all with your higher self. And cursing someone else is trying to force them down into just a physical or just the sum of a of their skin color or something. That's the all those myths. The Bible has many many verses about you should be blessing, not cursing. So I think doing practices like qigong are a form of blessing, elevating, getting in touch with things that are spiritual, or tai chi or yoga. Those are forms of elevating and getting in touch with our higher self 
but also just as we go around the day, we can practice blessing in our mind and not cursing. And it's really hard to do. Like that's a discipline I could do every day and never be a master because I slip into cursing so easily, whether you're cursing yourself mm. or cursing someone else. So mm. that's, um, that's what we shouldn't be doing. We should be more and more blessing. So in, mm. in disciplines like meditation or breathing or Tai Chi can help us with that. So that's where, uh, that's where I'll live it, but I leave it. But I really am uh, grateful to the perspective that you bring. So you bring out different things in, uh, with your questions. So I really appreciate the chance to interact with you. Awesome, brother. Well, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been fascinating, and I look forward to staying in touch and, and maybe doing a round two and just, you know, start deciphering this. You know, I invite everybody to go check out your, your blog because I looked, I looked through there. There's a lot of information. If you're interested in it, it's a very deep well of knowledge. And just wanted to wish everybody out there a happy solstice. And, and to you know, you really wrapped it up on a beautiful note. It's simple practices, and they can be challenging. And they're transformative when you apply them. And so, you know, if we can just start to embody these things, and that's it, to embody, to do. And we're moving into, you know, the light of the year and all that stuff. So happy solstice to everybody. And, and uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Matt. See you, brother. See you, everybody. All right, guys, that wraps up part two with the man, David Warner Matheson, on star myths and how to interpret them. I hope that you really enjoyed that episode. I loved having him on. Check it out on YouTube so you can see the... Uh you know, the, the diagrams and slides, his work, seven books, like super deep. He really knows what he's talking about. So he's only give you to able to uh, share a fraction of his knowledge. And it's really fascinating stuff. I'm so grateful for you guys supporting the show. You know, take a few minutes to go on iTunes if you want to support and just leave a review. Um, the more thoughtful, the better, um, because it'll encourage people to watch if the show has had an impact for you or send it to two or three friends via Facebook if they're having a hard time and an episode comes to mind. You know, there's 130 something now recorded and, and, and I'm sure that, you know, it touches on all life and experience on the planet. So sending episodes to your friends, taking a moment now or soon to leave a review in iTunes. It really, really helps. And if you want to support on Patreon, uh, Patreon forward slash Matt Belair, I've been humbled by the support, 10 people already in, in just a few podcasts. So I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I feel supported in, in putting this work in. And, you know, I also feel like I've kind of uh, earned it too, in the sense that, you know, it's been two years of full-time work um, <laughs> to do this. And it's just like, you know, I want to do it forever. And I'm just grateful that I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like people do see value in this and, 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 you know, I'm not doing it for anything. I'm doing it because, uh, I enjoy it and it's my highest calling. And I think my highest service and it feel I'm humbled to, you know, know that it's having feedback and I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep it going for as long as it inspires me. And I think it has value. So to feel supported by you guys means a lot. So when I see the reviews come up and I get the letters and I hear from you in social media, um, and you know the patreon like all of that stuff really counts and and i do feel it and i really appreciate it so you know it goes a long way so love to hear from you guys let me know where you're watching it from um how a show has impacted you if you want some coaching just go to mattbelair.com slash coaching ideally i'm going to have to have groups set up 
you know, I'm, I'm figuring out new ways to do a little bit, accommodate more one-on-one or small groups. If you've got like a, a group that you go to, you know, between three and six people or whatever, and you want to do a weekly thing, um, we can figure these things out. We can get you supported. So, um, check that out and, uh, go to mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list. And I think that's all the stuff that can, uh, support me. And so I just want to just send you support, love, gratitude. If you're hearing this, my intention is that my vocal cords and into your ears, into your brain and into your body and heart, just sending you love and peace and coherence and remembering of your true power, your multidimensional nature, you know, you're supported and loved by the entire universe. You're more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Don't let the mind trick you in, in believing that you're small and inconsequential. Uh, this is a, a challenging game that we're in called life. And follow your heart. You are connected to spirit and source and you are eternal life. There's nothing to be afraid of um, other than snakes because snakes are frightening. Nah, just kidding. I'm fine with snakes. I'm terrified of spiders though. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Yeah, that's it. Um, So before we uh, sign off, I just want to send you some peace and coherence. And I'll invite you to just do that because you're the master of your emotions and your reality. So let's just stop for a minute, taking a deep breath in or through our nose and setting the intention to come to a powerful state of peace, coherence, love and gratitude. Hold that breath in and let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Now taking another deep breath in through your nose, imagining pulling in universal, powerful light and source energy that connects all life, all plants, all matter, our trees, the entire universe, and let it out slowly. Now take another deep breath in through your nose, pulling in that light, focusing on one thing that you're grateful for, cultivating a feeling of love and coherence and peace. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, allowing that feeling to permeate every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being. And now taking another deep breath as you imagine this light come down from the universe, pulsing and surrounding your entire body. See the energy from the earth coming up through your feet, supporting you, sending you grounding energy from the earth, supportive life force energy, mixing in the center of your chest and your heart your own unique signature in the universe. And as you connect with your infinite multidimensional nature, remembering how powerful and connected and eternal you truly are, I want you to, through your own will, send this energy, love and gratitude and support to your fellow man, to all the animals, to all sentient life, to the forest, to the waters, to the trees, to the sky to the ground and to the earth and just send out love and gratitude and peace and balance and coherence, sending it to all life. And as you send that energy to all life, just really use your will to force and push that energy out through all of your will, every ounce of you supporting all life on the planet. I'm sending you that energy, everything that I am, sending you love, support, peace, coherence, brothership knowing that you are supported and loved and you are good enough you are amazing you are multi-dimensional you are perfect and whole just as you are so i just want to thank you so much for coming along another episode i love you i appreciate you i wish you all the best may your hopes and dreams come true may you have the strength to go through the challenging times all of my love and support and i'll see you in the next episode